0: The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Let me pray for us as we get into our Bible study for this morning. We're kicking off a new series, and let's dive in. Father God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the principles that you teach us. Your word is not archaic and uh, unapplicable today. The principles that you unfolded uh, are good for all time, and we pray that as we look into your word, and that you see how you have blessed us to be a blessing and how you call us to live generously, that you help us to have our hearts and minds transformed to be better vessels of your love. In your name we pray. morning. We are starting a brand new series today called Living Generously. The title of today's message is Strapped. How many of you ever feel strapped? Two of you. Well, we're here to help the two of you. Glad the rest of you are so unstrapped. That's that's awesome. Today we're here to dive in and we're going to be talking about money. So this is your cue. If you feel uncomfortable talking about money, you can leave now. Please don't. Uh, We're going to be taking the next week to look at how God has called us to live lives of generosity. And the truth is, is that money can be a lot of fun if you have some. Uh, The problem is, is a lot of us don't, don't got some. And so we want to help you look at the biblical principles about finances, about how God calls us to live, how God calls us to be generous and not be a slave and a servant and under the bondage of finances in our life. Many of us want to be generous. We want to live generously. We love supporting programs that feed children and help parents who don't speak English uh, learn how to read and speak in English. We, we want to support these kinds of programs. We want to see the mission of God expanded, but we just have so much debt. We have so much financial responsibility that it's hard for us to live that way. The key verse for today is from Proverbs 22.7. If you have notes, uh, you can follow along. If you don't have a set of notes, our ushers will make those available. Just raise your hand and they'll bring you a a bulletin if you want to follow along on a note sheet for today. Leave your hands up until they get to you. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. I always encourage you to get a Bible that you can make your own, write notes in the margin that you can circle key words so that you can remember these verses. And and, and the word I want you to circle there is the word servant. What does the word servant mean? The borrower is a servant to the lender. The word servant, the, the, the Hebrew word is abed. And abed means to serve or to be a slave of. How many of you would like to consider yourself a slave? To be in bondage to. That's the word abed. And many of us were in debt, but we wouldn't call ourselves a slave to the debt. We wouldn't walk around saying, yeah, I'm in such bondage. But when I talk to some of you about different things you want in life, this is, this is the kind of quotes that I've heard some of you say. Yeah, me and my girlfriend, we'd love to get married, but we just can't afford it right now. What you're essentially saying is we're, we're in bondage. We're just too tied down right now to make that happen. Oh, yeah, we'd love to start a family. We'd love to have more children, or we'd love to consider adopting, but we can barely take care of ourselves right now. You're saying you're in bondage. We would love to have one of us stay home and take care of the kids, but we just can't make ends meet, and both of us have to work. You're saying you're in bondage. We'd love to have a little larger house, or to, or to buy a house of our own instead of throwing away our money every month and rent. You're saying you're in bondage. I hate my job. I'd love to do something I I, I loved or, or, or was more passionate about. Or I'd love to help somebody in need. I'd love to consider taking that missions trip. I'd love to give tithes and offerings, but I just can't right now. What you're saying is you're in bondage. Let's just call it what it is. We are strapped. And our hope through this series is to point out the things that are true often about ourselves And look at God's Word and some of the practical examples uh, and and tools that God has given us to help us break some of this bondage. How many of you would like to be set free from debt? How many? Again, those two. Okay, three this time. That's awesome. You're not alone. I'm right there with you. We have a lot of debt. We just went through one uh, wedding. We have student loans we're paying back for our kids. We have our mortgage payment. We've got a lot going on. The average household debt in the United States, catch this, is by recent studies put out by Dave Ramsey, uh, a leading financial genius, and by the way, he's a believer and a Christian. He's written a great curriculum to help you get out of debt and help you manage and get control of your funds, and we teach that class often here. We'll be teaching a class soon in the, in the spring, and, and, and let me just give you some, some statistics real quick about the last class the last class that had 12 families go through it in just nine weeks listen to these stats in just nine weeks the 12 families that are from hope hill church real live people these aren't made up stats these 12 families together paid off in nine weeks ninety-seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-one dollars in debt yeah that's a big number that's huge in addition to paying off that debt, those 12 families together saved, put away savings for something that God would want them to use later, $45,705. That's an average of close to $4,000 per family. So you want 4000 bucks in nine weeks? Sign up for the next class. Debt is, is, is normal, unfortunately. The average household debt in the United States is 136% of the yearly household income. Did you catch that stat? 136%. For those carrying a balance, the average credit card debt in the United States right now is $14,517. dollars you got to have those earrings that match those shoes, right? Guys, you've got to get those new golf clubs, that daily shot of caffeine. All of those things add up. The average 21-year-old None of them were here in the first service. So how many 21-year-olds at the 11 o'clock? Nobody here is 21? Okay, one. My daughter. Okay, two. There we go. The average 21-year-old owes $12,000 in debt. By age 28, that number jumps to $78,000. No wonder our young couples are struggling financially. The average number of U.S. households living paycheck to paycheck is 55%. That's over half of you. No wonder so many during the furlough could, could barely make ends meet. Many had to uh, skip a month uh, of, of a house payment or rent. These numbers, unfortunately, are normal for the United States and normal for most of us sitting in this room. Being strapped has become normal. House payments are normal. Car payments are normal. Student loan payments are normal. Credit card payments are normal. Sleepless nights are normal. Marriage tension is normal. Divorce over money is normal. Worrying about all the above has become normal. How many of you are sick of that being normal? I hope would be more hands than that would. is going to fix us all if we sign up for his class. We want you to be better stewards of what God's blessed us with, because he's blessed us so that we can be a blessing. Why are we talking about money in church? Well, it didn't start here at Hope Hill. Jesus himself, in two-thirds of the parables, addressed money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every ten verses, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, speaks to possessions and finances. There's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that speak to money. That's over five times more than verses that speak about prayer or faith. Money's a big deal. And it's at the center of a lot of our struggles. And many times it's money that we blame that keeps us from being the generous people that God calls us to be. So a couple quick principles today. Number one, we have to deal with some temptations in life. And today I want to tackle a few things that deal with money, the temptation of money and things. Number one, we're tempted to serve money. Tempted to serve money. Matthew chapter 6.24 says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, Or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You shouldn't serve. Is that what it says? You will find it hard to serve. Is that what it says? What does it say? You cannot. It's impossible. Jesus is saying this. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. It's impossible. He goes on to say, he could have said many things. He could have said you can't serve God and yourself. He could have said you can't serve God and popularity. He could have said you can't serve God and powerful positions. He could have said you cannot serve God and your own desires. But Jesus, interestingly enough, says that of all things, you can't serve both. Jesus says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Look at your bank account, and that will tell you where your heart is. What does this say about us? You can't serve God and money. And I believe it's because Jesus said this because he knew this would be the number one We, uh, we want to reverse this. We want to change the fact that many of us are strapped, that many of us are struggling. And some of you here today would say, well, I don't really have that problem. I don't serve money. I don't. Yeah, sure, I have a little debt, but I don't serve money. Let me ask you a couple test questions, okay? How many of you would say that you have bought something you didn't need with money you didn't have? To impress somebody you don't even like. Then you might be serving money. You might be under the false promise, the false pretense that money will somehow make you happy. That money will somehow give you security. That leads me to the next one. How many of you have ever been in a place where you've hoarded money and not given to something in need because you felt like you didn't quite have enough? My bank account, my savings account is not high enough yet to do that. That's a nice cause, and eventually I'll help you. But I need this stack a little higher first. Have you ever been been there? Have you ever been at the place where, man, there's just so much I want to do. Let me make sure I'm good, and then God, I'll get to you soon. If that's you, you might be serving money. You might be a servant of money and not even know it. How many of you ever fall into the temptation to fight to move up, to work harder and work longer so you can make more, all in the name of taking care of your family? And all along, your family's over here, Dad, Mom, we just want to see you more. If that's you, you might be under the bondage of money, under the false promise that somehow money will satisfy you. Most would say, I don't serve money. Those are the test questions I, I beg you to consider. Number two, we're not only tempted to serve money, we're tempted to love money. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this. <clears throat> 610. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered far from the faith and and pierced themselves with many transgressions. I want you to circle that phrase, the love of money. Now, it's key here. Money, I'm not not saying money is evil. The scriptures are not saying money is evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Some of you are like feeling good. I'm so poor I don't have any money to love. But the truth is, is you don't have to have money to love it. If you find yourself wishing for more money and critical of those who have it, you may be a lover of money. If you're rich, you might feel like, oh, man, is he saying, you know, I'm well off. Is he saying I'm a lover of money? No, no, no. It may be that you know exactly how to handle money, and God's blessed you. There are a lot of people who have a lot of money, but it doesn't have them. I've I've met some people who are very well off, and money is something that they don't serve. It serves them. They know how to leverage it. They know how to use it. They know how to bless people with it. And when we use money right, money is not bad. The love of money is what is at the root of all evil. Where are you? Is your money serving you, or are you serving it? Are you a lover of money? We're tempted to love money. Money is neutral, and it matters more what we do with it. So some of you would say, well, if I had more money, it would fix a lot of things. If I had more money, I wouldn't need to work. An employment survey was done, and those who made more money decided to work more. They took on more responsibility, higher-paying jobs, managing more things, piling on more stress. So getting more money doesn't always allow you to work less. Statistically, it, it also shows us that the people who say, if I had more money, I'd get out of debt. If I had more money, I'd be out of debt. There are a lot of people who don't have a lot of money. But they got a lot of debt. If you look at some of the average lottery winners lately, winning the lottery, oh, I get to pay off all this debt. In three to five years, they're bankrupt and have more debt. More money doesn't always give you less, debt. It it, it causes more struggles. If I had more money, I'd be more generous. I'd give more. But recent IRS tax statements show that the highest giving tax bracket are those who make a lower income than those who have higher incomes. Those with higher incomes statistically give less to charitable causes. So don't I just had more, everything would be fixed. We have to learn to live within our means and live according to our wage. Number three. I don't think it's a three in your notes. It's a three in my notes. More money makes you just more of what you already are. If you're a grumpy, jerky, poor person, you get more money, you're just going to be more grumpy and more jerky and taking care of more of your money. But if you're someone that doesn't have a lot, but you're generous with what you've got, statistically you will be more generous when you are blessed with more money. The love of money is the root of all evil. So if I came around to each of you, and most of you you are Christians, and if I were to say uh, hey, do you love money? You would say well, I am a Christian. I know the Bible says I shouldn't love money, so I don't love money, I like money, and I I like friends, money's my friend, and I want a lot of friends, and so, but it's a slippery slope, and we have to be careful where it leads us. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has money enough. It's a a lose-lose situation. Whoever loves money never has money enough goes on to say, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. And the reality is that more many of us are under money's power, and we don't even realize it. We believe that most of our problems can be solved by money, and that's just an indicator that we are in bondage, and we are strapped. We are tied to something. to help you get freed from that. We want to help you get to a place where we as a church are tired of being under bondage, tired of being in debt. Could you imagine what it would be like to be debt free? There have been seasons in our life where we have hit a milestone and we were like, wow, we've got that all paid off and it feels so good, it feels so free to then just have another emergency comes up and and because we don't have savings to take care of that, well, I guess it's got to go on the credit card we just paid off. How many of you have been there? It's like a never-ending cycle. But there are some practical steps that we can take, and we want to help you take them so that we can all together be the vessels, not just the tithe here and there. The Bible teaches clearly, and we're going to hear about this more next week. You're like, okay, great, I'm going to be out next week. We're going to look at what the Scripture says. You know, a tithe is 10% for every $10 you make are to give back one to the Lord. The Bible actually says if you don't tithe, you're stealing from God. Did John just say that? No, I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Malachi, look it up. Really? Write that one down. I don't know if that one, that one just doesn't sit right with me. Doesn't sit right with me either. But the Bible said it tithe is for every 10 bucks we are to give one back to the Lord if you are a Christian a child of God, God has commanded that we are to give our first fruits back to him, well that's the Old Testament, that's in the law didn't Jesus come and abolish the law Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he's like hey I see you do all these things on the outside and you even, you even tithe and you do, you fast and you memorize all these scriptures He said, change yourself so you're not just hypocrites and continue doing these things as well. We are called to give back to God out of what he's blessed us with. Tithing is something that's important and commanded by God. A godly perspective of money starts with us realizing that we don't serve money, we are to serve God. Did you catch that? We don't serve money, we serve God. Say it with me. We don't serve money, we serve God. So how can that become more true in your life? What is it that you need to do? Our hope is not just to make you feel guilty. We're not here to do that. We're not here to ask you for more of your money. We're We're here to help each of us read and study the scriptures and to see the kind of things that God wants us to do and apply them to our life. And, and we believe that biblically, that if we follow the principles line out in scripture, we will all be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. That's what God calls us, to be people of generosity, to be people who serve him. And as we learn to serve God and we learn to put the right things in place so that we're not serving money, then we can turn the table and we can learn how money can begin to serve us. How does that happen? I don't know. Some of you may be already doing this kind of thing. Maybe you, you've figured it out and you're not debt in debt anymore and you're using your money in a way and your money is working for you. How many of you have got some money working for you? You're like, well, I don't know if I want to raise my hand. He might come ask me for that money. Ways that money can serve us is number one, you can buy time. Yeah, I I said it. You can literally buy time. If you have enough money, you could consider being a blessing to somebody who's working hard to make ends meet and employ them to come clean your house for two hours a month or four hours or if your house is really dirty, six hours a month. And now you've just bought six hours of time that you can now spend with your family and loving on them. Or signing up to teach English as second language classes at the Hope House or or feed kids on a Friday afternoon. You can literally buy time. if If you learn to have money serve you, it can free you up so that more time of what God wants you to do can be spent doing it well. You can buy options. Vacation's coming up, and if you don't have a lot of money, your options are go crash on Uncle Joe's couch. You can go cra- crash on your old college roommate's ha- house or couch, or, or you can go to grandma's house and enjoy vacation there. Or if you got more money, you can take Uncle Joel and grandma to Hawaii. Which would you prefer? If you have enough money, money can begin to serve you. Hope Hill, we're, we're tr- we believe that God doesn't want us just to grow one little church, a group of people. We believe that the kingdom of God is to expand. And if we were to be more generous, if we were to learn to have money serve us, imagine not only the ties that we could do, but the blessings we could pour into. We're eight years old today. By, by the age of 10, my hope is to see Hope Hill send out a group of you to plant a new church. And if we're living the kind of lives of generosity where we've got no debt, taking all our money and sucking our blessings, but instead we can pour that into the works of God, imagine the things that we could hope houses we could build, the children that we could feed, the churches that we could plant. My hope is that we would enable us to get to a place where we aren't just tithing, but we are channels of God's financial blessing, taking care of the things and the problems that God has shown us in this world. Romans 13 8 says this. accept the continuing debt to love one another so how can we get there how can we put into place some good godly practices of getting out of financial debt and freeing us up to continually outdoing each other in love serving one another being generous to one another imagine what life could to get there, as a church, as individuals. God has so much that he's calling us to. So in closing, a couple challenges for you. Number one, for those of you that consider yourselves children of God, if you would sit here and say, John, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that I would, that our family would myself as an individual, that we would begin to be better with our finances and honor God more with how we handle our money. If that would be true of you, I want to pray for you here in a moment. If you would say, John, we need to get to a place where we honor God with more with how we handle our money. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Go ahead. We need to honor God more. No, leave your hands up. Come on, we're being real with each other. We need to honor God more with how we handle our money. Father God, I pray right now that you would help us to be uh, myself included, starting with me. Help us to be people who are not continuing to walk in bondage to finances. But learn. help us to learn to take the steps to be set free so that we can learn to... To live the way that you call us. To live generously. To honor you more with what you've blessed us with. We know, God, that you are a God who blesses so that we can be a blessing. And God, we can't out-give you. You say, test me in this. So, God, I pray that you help us to be f- faithful enough to step into the waters that you're calling us to step in step out of of the, the bondage that we're in to be set free to live for you to live lives of generosity you can put your hands down I want to switch the topic real quick as we close there's financial debt but then there's also spiritual debt Jesus said In Matthew chapter 5, it speaks to us needing to be set free. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt. When we come to a place of realizing that we are far from him, when we realize that we are separated from God because of the sins in our life, and we realize that the only way that our sin debt can be paid is by what Jesus did for us on the cross, We can be spiritually set free. Some of you here today, that's the first and only step you need to take. You need to realize that when it comes to God, our sin separates us. And no matter how many goods we stack up, we can never measure up to what God expects and demands from us. And knowing that, God said, don't worry. I know you can't do it on your own. My son came to this earth. He took your sin upon himself. He died on the cross out of love for you. We love you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And this morning, the step that you need to take is the step of getting out of your spiritual bankruptcy by calling on the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, come into my life. Make me new. Erase the sin dying on the cross for me and giving up your life, I now give you mine. Show me what it means to follow you. If that is the step you need to take this morning, I'm going to challenge you right here, right now, that you would say, Pastor John, I need to be spiritually set free. I am grateful for what Jesus did for me on the cross, and today I ask him to come into my life and to make me new and to show me what it means to follow him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. I need to be set free spiritually. I need Jesus in my life. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Is there anyone? I see that hand. Amen. Anybody else? I need to no end that is here to set us free you ask of nothing else except a willing heart to come to you and to ask for forgiveness and God I pray right now that as you come and pour your love into our lives that we would begin to experience the freedom that only you can bring as you set us free and you give us passion and purpose on on how to live this life and how to learn to live not with ourselves at the center, but with you at the center. And with us looking out to the others who do not yet know you and asking you, Jesus, how can I be a blessing to the people you've put around me? God, I thank you for the freedom that comes in only knowing you. And I thank you for the hands that were raised today calling out to you to be spiritually set free. Thank you that your Holy Spirit